Today's episode of Seven Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash settingedge. That's audibletrial.com slash settingedge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash settingedge. Welcome to episode 57 of the Sunday Edge podcast. I'm just Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at Forbes. And we're here with a very special guest, uh, Crispy Brown from Smart Football. You can find him on Twitter at Smart Football. So what's up, people, Chris? Okay, yeah, he's not actually here. Yeah, we didn't come through. I'm no, it, it just, you know, the thing that happened was Chris is a real-life human being and we're not, so he was super duper busy, but we're going to get a rain check on that. But reach out to somebody else, which I, I think if we can get him, it's going to be a pretty cool guest. So without further ado, we are back with our week nine picks and uh, we're going to I think we're on the same page for most of these. So uh, we're going to fly through them and then uh, answer some mailbag questions. Does that sound good? Sounds perfect to me. All right. Uh, so, you know, what? let's just do this. uh in a different way than we usually do. So let's talk about the, the games that we are on the same page first. So uh, the okay. first first game is uh, Atlantic, Atlanta Falcons on the road against the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons are one-point favorite. We are both on the Falcons. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are seven-point favorite. We are both on the Saints. The Denver Broncos at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles are seven-point favorite, both on the Eagles. The Bengals at the Jaguars. Jax is a four and a half point favorite. We're both on Jacksonville. Uh, the Washington Redskins at the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are a seven point favorite, both on that side. The Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are a two and a half point uh, dog at home. We are both on that one. Uh, and the Detroit Lions taking on the Green Bay Packers. The Lions are a two point favorite on the road, and we're both on the same wavelength for that one. So, uh, are so so which of these games are kind of stick out to you start, kind of stick out to you i mean the first one that kind of comes to mind is uh atlanta versus carolina because you know i don't i don't want to get my hopes up but the, i went back and watched that jets game and if they didn't have like four fumbles due to the rain and austin Hooper didn't drop another touchdown pass they could have lit that team up so i don't know if i if i want to feel better about this team because this carolina team doesn't scare me at all but <sighs> Am I, should I buy back into the Falcons now that Deshaun Watson's dead? <laughs> um, I don't know about buying back into the Atlanta Falcons for like the entire season, but this game, I'm I'm totally in. Um, we, I, I think I have, I've had this conversation before, like throughout the week. I've been asking people this. Uh, I texted our, our good friend Josh Norris, um, who's a Carolina Panthers fan, and I was just asking him like, where where is Buffalo worse than Carolina right now, other than linebacker, right? And like other than linebacker, there's really no. There's no real answer, right? I mean, Carolina basically – Carolina drafted, you know, Christian McCaffrey top 10. And he's basically Cole Beasley. So I don't, I don't know what we're going to do there. Um, you know, Kelvin Benjamin isn't a great receiver, but losing that – like you physically have to have someone else catch balls in Carolina other than Devin Funches and Christian McCaffrey, and I just don't know who it's going to be right now. Yeah, it, it's – I mean – I don't think Atlanta's defense is great or whatever, but this is such a good matchup for them in terms of, you know, just how they match up with 
Carolina's offense. So they got two awful offensive tackles, Matt Khalil, who struggles. With, horrible. Yeah, I mean, just horrible. Just horrible. Uh, Daryl Williams is, is horrible. And their interior offensive line has been shaky. You know, Tri Turner, he's been dinged up all season long. He's been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Tri uh, Tri Turner died when uh, Fletcher Cox got to him. Like I still don't think he's recovered from that. He might still be yeah. better than the curve. And I mean, like, what? There's no part of his offense that that scares you. Uh, it's the worst offense, and it's like other than so the thing about Cleveland, right? Is Cle- uh, we don't need to spend too much time talking about the Cleveland fucking Browns. But the thing about Cleveland is Cleveland can at least get to the red zone, and then they, you know, almost in a cartoonish way, blow off the da- the Daffy Duck bill off of their face, right? Um, Carolina is just fucking horrible, man. Like I think I what was it the Philadelphia game while I was charting. Their, their first runs by a running back in a drive, basically, right? And I think they had gone more than three yards one time the entire game. So basically, like, when, when people know Carolina's going to run, and they're going to run on first and second down, right? Um, this isn't a team that necessarily wants to air it out. Uh, they, like, they can be stopped very, very, very easily because they're not very talented. Uh, I zoned out for a second. I'm, I'm just in a funk. Just so sad looking for my new NFL team. Yeah, so we should talk, yeah, we should talk about it. You literally, I literally texted you. You so you told me, uh, I texted you yesterday, and I was like, let's record, you know, yesterday. And then you're like, yeah, for sure. Then I texted you today this morning, and I was like, let's record at two o'clock before the Thursday night game. And you're like, yeah, for sure. I text you, and like you don't answer for several hours, and then you wake up, and I had to break the Deshaun Watson news to you, like as you were, you know, as you were yawning and getting the sand out of your eyes. I know, it's just it's awful because I feel like we're losing all the fun players uh, in the league this year, like Aaron Rodgers, Odell, JJ Watt, uh, David Johnson, and now Deshaun Watson. It, it it sucks because a lot of these games, you know, between coaches playing scared and some of these teams just not having that much talent. Like, losing some of these marquee players just really, really sucks. And, you know, between – and you, you have to throw in Steve Sarkeesian absolutely handcuffing Atlanta's offense, which is funny because, you know, pe- like, metrics people – and I, I don't want to do this, like, film versus metrics stuff, but uh, it's so funny that metrics people are saying the Falcons' offense is fine. Like, if you watch it, it's, it's – I like, saw that so, someone uh, – I think it was – crap, I can't remember his name. It's that, that Ben Dude, he's a Seahawks fan. Ben he's actually, Baldwin. like, super fucking – yeah, yeah, he's very smart. Um, I respect him a lot. Same. Uh, so he, I think he, he tweeted out something about uh, what was it, uh, success rate or something like that. And success rate is fine, um, but that's only measuring. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe success rate is basically only measuring one set of downs, right? Um, there aren't very many offensive scoring drives where you're churning out. You know, you, you're moving the chain several different times. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I, I guess in, to some extent, like success rate does matter, but we've gotten to a weird spot in evaluating football where uh, big plays no longer matter, and that's very weird to me because big pay, big plays are, you know, very important and not very often decide games. Yeah, I mean, just that—that's kind of how the. I mean, that's. I mean, if you just go watch back, watch that Seahawks Texans game. That's all it was. It was just big plays, big plays, oh, God. big plays, just, big plays. Just bombs. Yeah. Uh, before we get off of Atlanta, I wanted to talk about one thing. Um, did you see who uh, who Nick Saban's bringing in? Who? Jim McElwain. How do you feel about you know future Atlanta Falcons offense coordinator Jim McElwain? Oh, if, if they hire Jim McElwain, I'm out. Like I'm all the way. Out. <laughs> I was almost. I mean, man, I was almost out after the Super Bowl. 
and then they kind of suck me back in during the summer. But if, if they hire that gopher, I'm, I'm out. I'm completely 100% out. Uh, let's see, another game. Do we want to talk about the Bucks saints game? I, I, the Bucks are not very interesting. The Saints are pretty good, though. Marshawn Latimer. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that that's kind of it. That's pretty much what I would say. I, I would say um, New Orleans is kind of the – they're the zombie team of this year, right? We talked about we – I think we talked about this last week. Uh, where we kind of pounded on the 0-2 teams. Only 10% of them end up making the playoffs. Um, New Orleans won five straight. They're, they're basically like the past five weeks, um, you know, no one no, – or what is it, five, six weeks, uh, no one's better, been a better football team than New Orleans Saints basically. Like whatever clicked on defense. And it literally might just be Lattimore doing well and then uh, Alex Okafor being half-decent opposite of Cameron Jordan, and they haven't had that for – Know, basically Cameron Jordan's entire career um, that seems to make be making a huge difference uh, no one can penetrate them uh, Tampa Bay is basically they're the worst pass rushing team in the NFL by far right now so like just expect all day from Drew Brees um, if you're any sort of person who does DFS stuff I would just try to buy into you know whoever you think the sleeper receiver for the Saints is this week because I think New Orleans would be able to bomb this damn ball yeah, I, I I think if is is there a prop bet on Marshawn Lattimore getting a pick six this weekend? Because I would be <laughs> all in on that. Is, are we sure Jameis is playing? Oh no, I forgot he's hurt. Oh, Fitzpatrick, even better. Uh, is there <laughs> if there's a if there's a prop bet on Marshawn Lattimore getting a pick six, that might be worth your time. That's funny. Um, I'll say this one thing. I want to make fun of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick real quick. Uh, I was doing this like. So I've been looking into NEA stuff. You've heard me talk about this way too much because you've heard basically every argument that I've had for the the uh, Eli Manning Hall uh, of Fame candidacy yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, so I've been running some of these numbers like historically, right? And there's like a super strong tie between interception value and uh, basically yards per attempt. And basically what it would suggest is like teams that are throwing it deep aren't being more reckless for throwing it deep. They're throwing it deep because their quarterbacks can get away with it. Right. So basically there's a negative relationship and it's like it's super rare to have a dude who's like throwing a bunch of picks and is just throwing it deep all the time. And like one of the major outliers is just Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's just like does not give a fuck and is just arm punting it every single time. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just going to be a sloppy game. I, I do enjoy watching the Saints. Though. Like that that team is. Pretty that's a fun. good team. Yeah. That's a 10 win team. That's I think that's a 10 win team that should be. The favorite in the NFC South, and I think they might be a sleeper to get like the two seed or something. Yeah, and if you just look at uh, DVOA stats, uh, football outsiders they have the fourth ranked pass defense, uh, and the Bucks' pass offense is is I think like in the bottom half of the league. So, I, I think that the Saints win this one fairly easily. And then the other game in the early slate that I want to talk about is the uh, the Bengals against the Jaguars. You know, I think. Uh, last time we recorded, the Jaguars had not made the trade for Marcel Darius. I think that happened uh, on Saturday, or yeah, on Saturday. So that front four, if they can get Marcel Darius to buy in, because I, I, I think we, we all know he's who'd you cut? Who would you cut off the front four? Because there, there are four guys there before Darius. Uh, did you did you bury Dante Fowler? No, I don't think you need to cut anyone off. You just rotate. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, never mind. I thought you were talking about four four defensive linemen as individuals. My bad. No. Ignore uh, me. So if you can get Darius to buy back in, and I think we all know that he's a he's a very talented player, but you know he, he he's one of those guys, and I, it's hard to blame this guy because I think I might end up being it too. I might I might end up. 
being that guy too if like if i had the opportunity but some of those guys who they get paid and then they's like okay uh i got what i came for now i'm just gonna kind of coast until it's time to retire uh but you know if if he had his best years under Doug Marone in Buffalo. I think he had a he had a span of two seasons where he had 18 sacks, which is pretty pretty impressive for a defensive tackle. For a dude that big, not not even just a defensive tackle. He's like he's got to be like what six five three thirty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he yeah he's pushing large like human three thirty three forty, and he's a, he's a ridiculous athlete for that size too. So you know if 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 uh, Doug Marone can give him the buyback in. I mean, you got Clyus Campbell, who's having essentially a J.J. Watt season. Uh, Malik, Malik Jackson, who's uh, who's pretty solid too. Uh, Dante Fowler, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, and then you add Marcel Darius into the mix, and they're going against Bengals offensive line that's terrible, and Andy Dalton, who cannot function at all under pressure. Like, I think this one could get out of hand if Leonard Fournette can kind of get them like a two touchdown cushion. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree. The only thing that I would worry about in this game is if, um, and Jackson, Jacksonville's offensive line has done fine throughout the year. Um, they're they're one of the best teams in terms of limiting penetration on the offensive side of the ball. I think they might be top three behind like Dallas and uh, and the Saints. Um, but if for whatever reason Cincinnati's defensive line starts to take over the game, I could see Blake Bortles doing some Blake Bortles shit. But Blake Bortles right now, by any metric that you want to, you like just. Maybe not not film, right? Obviously, it's not pretty. It's not aesthetic. Um, but if you're doing, you know, any sort of whatever your measurement of st- statistical success for quarterbacks is, uh, Blake Bortles is playing above average for what the NFL average is right now. So, um, if, if you get those two things rolling together, considering how strong this defense is already, uh, it's really hard for me to see how they don't beat Cincinnati by a touchdown. Yeah, and I mean, if you just look at Blake Cincinnati's Bortles- just not. Like Cincinnati, yeah. what they're already a four-loss team, right? Yep. Like you basically get six losses if you want to make the playoffs. They've already spent four of them. Like their season's kind of over already. Yep. And now they got to go into Jacksonville and, and take on legitimately a historically good pass defense, which is, I mean, that 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 Jacksonville defense is awesome to watch. They can't defend the the run worth the lick. Who who cares when you're passing? Yeah, like they're they're line, linebacker. Anything up the middle, like past past the first level, right? Past the defensive tackles. It's just it, it can be trouble real quick. Those safeties don't know how to do anything, and Puzlozny's still out there. Yeah, and if you just look at Blake Bortles' projected stats in the season, uh, he's on pace for thirty, uh, you know, thirty-two hundred, thirty-two hundred yards, twenty-one touchdowns, eleven picks, which is, I'm sure, exactly what <laughs> Doug Marone wanted that to be coming into the season. Eli Manning has certainly had worse seasons than that. Let's talk about it. Actually, no, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Uh, actually, in the other game of these late slates that kind of interests me because I'm not too interested in Detroit, Green Bay, or Arizona, uh, San Francisco, but I, I'm i in on the Seahawks winning big against Washington. I, at Washington, it kind of felt like their season died on Sunday when they lost to the Cowboys and – you know, with the Eagles rolling the way they are, it, it's it's kind of hard to dig yourself out of that hole that they kind of that they find themselves in right now. Um, I a few a few short weeks ago, you were talking about Washington as a sleeper candidate for the NFC Championship I know, but game. They, they just keep blowing. <laughs> they just they just keep. They've blowing lost it. in the last in the last month. They've lost three games by multiple scores. Uh, currently. Right. No team in the NFL has lost more games by multiple scores than the Washington Redskins. They've okay, lost as that, many games that, by that, more that, than a touchdown than Cleveland. That Chiefs game was kind of fluky, though, because 
That's fine. That's hey, we're counting it. Blind, <laughs> blind, blindly accepting the statistics. That's fine. That's fine with me. I know they're 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 better than Cleveland. You you caught me. They're better than the Cleveland Browns. You, you caught me red-handed. Um, but yeah, I, I feel very confident in Seattle. I know at the beginning of the year we talked about how maybe the start for this Seattle team was a little bit different because they were actually they weren't losing close games like they usually do to start seasons and then they get hot. They were losing games by big amounts. Um, but I mean. Seattle looks, you know, other than getting, you know, a million points scored on them last week, they still got, what was it, five sacks and three interceptions. One of them was on Helmer. I guess that doesn't count. But yeah. um, this, this offense looks fine. I mean, Russell Wilson looks like a – I wouldn't have him as a top three MVP candidate right now, but he looks like a guy who could compete with that in the second half of the season depending on how other stuff goes down the line. Yeah, um, we were looks, high. It looks like a figured-out team, and then they get Dwayne Brown too, so I don't know. Yeah, and they get to keep Jeremy Lane because he fails his physical. Uh, so it, it, that passing offense, I know we were really high on that group coming out of the preseason and they kind of stumbled a little bit out the gates, but that game against the Texans is kind of what we were thinking they were going to be for the most majority of the season. Uh, yeah. That's what I, that's what I thought Russ was going to, Russ was just going to take over all year. So, uh, I, I think against Washington's defense, uh, which isn't really anything to write home about that they should be okay. Now the games that we are split on, uh, we, I'm, I'm, we have our, our stay away games. I'm staying away from the Texans, uh, Colts game out of solidarity with Deshaun Watson. Uh, you are staying away from the Ravens Titans game. So let's 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 talk about those games first. Why are you in on the Colts plus seven at the Texans? Is it just Tom Savage? Like, is that all we need to say? Yeah. Um, this line's dropped like six points since uh the deshaun watson injuries come out so basically they're saying deshaun watson's 90 or 90 yards better than tom savage essentially and usually i would say that that you know six points is a lot for a quarterback drop off just because the 90 yards thing right uh i don't think that it's uh i don't think that's a lot of points considering you know what deshaun watson can do on the ground what he can do in the air the fact that houston's offensive line looked completely different when he was back there and was able to you know kind of free himself out of some of those stack situations and Tom Savage is kind of the opposite. <laughs> Tom Savage still hasn't thrown thrown an NFL touchdown, correct? He still has not scored one NFL touchdown rushing. One 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 single NFL touchdown. Um, so yeah, not not a great situation. I think that's a lot of points anyway. Um, I don't know. Indianapolis probably offensive line is probably a push. Backfield is probably something close to a push. Houston's got better receivers. Uh, I think Indianapolis has the edge at quarterback. And with how banged up uh, Houston's defense is right now, I wouldn't necessarily see a situation where Houston could take advantage of, you know, Jacoby Brissett and T.Y. Hilton and stuff like that. I think those guys might be the best connection on the field. So um, I could totally see Indianapolis, you know, not losing by a full touchdown against this horrible Houston team that already – like we talk about Houston as a team that uh, th- they're looking good, right, in certain spots of the team and it's obviously flashy and fun. But this team's lost four games already. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. this Houston team was like a world beater and they were 13-point favorites to start with. They just dropped down to seven. I, I, I would assume uh, if you want to get in on this line, I would buy it sooner rather than later because I think it's going to drop, you know, the closer we get to Sunday. Yep, and uh, I am ta- I'm in on the Titans uh, minus 3.5 against the Ravens just because, you know, I think that uh, the bye week will probably be, has probably been good for Tennessee and you know, last time we saw them play, they, they really struggled to beat Cleveland, but... Uh, I, I kind of like the way that 
this run offense matches up against the Ravens run defense, which has been a little bit underwhelming this year. Ravens run defense is ranked 16th for, uh, according to DVOA. Titans run offense is ranked 7th according to DVOA. So I think they have the matchup there. They're at home. And I, I, I kind of like them to, to kind of get their season back on track a little bit here. Now, I don't, I don't think that they're better than Jacksonville, even though they think they're still favored to win the AFC South over Jacksonville. But uh, which is crazy. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. But with Deshaun Watson out for the year, this this is kind of their time to strike. And, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, this a Baltimore team with a shaky offense and a shaky run defense is this is the time to, to get it done. Uh, the only thing that I would say is I, I'm not sure Mariota is any good this year. Like, I, I know there's like the he, thing about he's been bad. NFL players, there's volatility on a year-to-year basis, and this just might not be his year. You know what I mean? Like, he's just not playing good. He's done good up to this spot. That's that's a funny thing with, like, uh, I think we were talking about this in one of our group chats with, like, Jameis Winston. Like, statistically, Jameis Winston might be having the best year of his career, and people are just coming around to being like, wait, maybe he's not the number one pick that we thought he was going to be. And it's, it, I don't know. That whole dynamic is just kind of weird. Um, Mariota just not good. I just don't trust either of these teams. Um, as far as I'm concerned, neither of these teams are playoff relevant outside of maybe like the sixth seed in the AFC in the AFC anyway. And uh, good luck to wh- whoever that sixth seed is. Um, so I, I'm just really not interested in this game at all. So stay away from it. All right. Uh, and let's see. Let's talk about uh, – we're not going to talk about the Dolphins-Raiders game because uh, – well, I mean, I, I have uh, Oakland's plus three. Is that right? No. Oakland minus three. Yeah, Oakland minus three, and you have Miami plus nine in a tease. Uh, I don't. I don't think we need to talk about the game. I don't think we need to watch that game. Not not playoff relevant teams. Um, Miami Miami played what was it Thursday night last week? They're playing Sunday night this week, and they're playing Monday night the week after. Oh, and that's that, awful. It's not a good team. Dude, so they yeah, got, they got blown out by forty to nothing by the Ravens, and the Ravens aren't even good. And that was a game that Joe Flacco got hurt in. You know, yeah, I, I, I didn't. Think... I stopped watching that game at. I think would they kicked a field goal and they went up like 13-0 or something like that. And then I, you know, my girlfriend convinced me to twist my arm a little bit, and I was like, "All right, we don't have to watch the rest of this." I mean, yeah, good on her part. Uh, I think. Uh, oh yeah, according to DVOA, the Miami Dolphins are the worst four and three team of all time. They are currently ranked thirty first in DVOA, uh, behind the Cleveland Browns. So uh, that they won. Look at their record and see how many games that they've won by more than a touchdown over the last two years, and see how many they've won in close games. And I think the other, th- the other shoe's gonna drop. Promise. Yeah, and I think they also have the worst point differential for a four-three team of all time as well. Uh, I can pull it up in a second, but you know it's so funny. Because I think they we were all... they were four and I think they were four and two with a negative point differential, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, they were they were a ne- negative point differential, and then they ended up losing forty to nothing to the Ravens. But <laughs> it's so funny to see like all these Dolphins fans come into like our mentions and say, "Oh, Adam Gacy's actually good because he's pulling out all these close wins." I'm like, no, that actually means he's bad because he can't ever pull away. But the Dolphins, uh, they have a minus sixty point differential. Which is worse than the one and six New York Giants, worse than the t- than the two and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, and just twelve points better than the oh s- excuse me twelve points better than the three and four Arizona Cardinals. So they are a extremely fraudulent four and three team that the Falcons somehow lost to. Uh, all right, but let's talk about this di- that this uh, Dallas Kansas City game because the line here is a little let's bit fishy. It. Dallas is favored by one point, which, you know, 
based on the way Kansas City has played, is a little bit weird. Because I, I don't know, I, I kind of like Kansas City to just light this Dallas defense up. I, I think this could be a shootout. Especially considering the fact that Zeke is finally... I have to check with you again. Is Zeke suspended? I think he is. Uh, Yeah, he is suspended this week. Right, he's officially suspended this time. And I don't think that they can... So, so how how does the court system work? Can I just appeal anything? I feel like that's that's basically what I've learned through this Zeke suspension thing. Is you could just appeal things for months and months and months. Um, it, it being a one point line is suspicious to me. Uh, basically, it would suggest that you know Kansas City is less than a field goal favorite on a neutral field, and Dallas is basically a neutral field anyway. So I don't really understand what's going on here. Um, one point, I really don't see that there's any value in that. I do think that if you can if you can get it in a tease and get it to up to seven, um, that would be very smart of you. Uh, but the the one disaster situation I think would be Kansas City's defense, like their secondary, right? Their secondary isn't great. Um, Dak Prescott, despite what you might hear in you know Philadelphia radio shows, right? Um, he's having a more than fine season. He's still one, probably top ten quarterback in the league right now. Easily. And uh, Kansas City's offensive line struggles a bit um, just because of just the massive amount of injuries that they've been having this year. And Dallas, this is a guy that people might not know, but like David Urban is a guy who's undrafted, uh, came out of Iowa State. I mean, basically like a superhuman. I think he got busted because he was like, he like pulled a stop sign out of something. It was some weird story out of Iowa State. So he ended up going undrafted. He got suspended a bit in Dallas, I think, two different years. He had a breakout last year, and then he had a breakout basically in this past month coming off a suspension with Dallas. So right now Dallas has a guy, probably one of the more underrated pass rushers in the league right now that no one knows about, and then Demarcus Lawrence, who I still believe right now is leading the league in sacks, and they're going against a team that struggles on the offensive line. So I think that's an interesting dynamic, and that's what pushed me to tease this Kansas City game with Miami. Yeah, and uh, the reason we don't have a pick for the Jets-Bills game is because we got to it too late, and we are – I don't know if Justin – I probably would have picked – I would have picked Buffalo. I turned it off after the Zay Jones touchdown. I saw that he had some sort of injury or something, though. Yeah, Robbie Anderson just scored a 25-yard touchdown, so uh, – My son, my fantasy son. Yeah, the the Jets are up 17-7. to Now, we, we weren't going to do uh, – we weren't, we weren't going to do midseason awards, but – Todd Bowles, he's got to be a coach of the year candidate, right? Um, I I think he's going to go to Sean McVay. Yeah, so do, so do I. I, 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't argue if you like you were like look how much shit Todd Bowles had to deal with and the fact that literally no one believed him. Um, I think what was it the the Jets? It was either th- three and a half or four wins was their win total, and it was the lowest in Vegas history. Yeah. And they basically eclipsed that in the first two months of the two months of the season, first half of the season. And they're on good track to get win number four. I just think when you look at team expectations coming into the season and what's actually happened, like Todd Bowles, he's done an amazing job this season. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't argue with argue you with you with that at all. Um, that offense has turned around. I think. Josh McCown, I don't know what his stats look like right now. Like I said, I'm not watching the game. I know coming into the game, he had a 95 passer rating for the year. Yeah, that's so crazy. I, and Cle- Josh- Cleveland is one in one in 23. Trust the process. Yeah, Josh McCown is currently his passer rating in the game is currently uh, 112.2. Yeah, so that thing couldn't go. It's probably gonna be like, like 98 or 99, something like that. That's a pretty good year. Yep. Spoiler alert. That's a pretty good year. The Browns are just. I- I'm so glad the Browns are off this week. Just. So 
<laughs> you know what? Before we get into the reader mailback questions, we need to talk about this Agent McCarran situation a little bit. And okay, I, I actually, we, I think we got a we question. I think okay. we got a question about it, actually. Yeah, so let's, we'll start off the, the mailbag questions here. Uh, this is from, from James Weeb, at James underscore Weeb. What's worse for the Browns, the fact that they failed trading for McCarron or that they were willing to give up a second and a third for him? Um, that they failed because I, I their, front so office is, their, their front office's brand is basically efficiency, and they weren't able to get a basic task done. This is a, the same front office that uh, – if you believe some people in Cleveland media, and at this point, not, none of them should be trusted. But there are at least rumors out there um, that these guys basically go home at five o'clock every day, and like they, they're kind of there to punch a clock. And uh, you, if you can't, you know, if you can't, you can't fax a paper. That might be a problem. This is the same front office who last offseason also didn't know how fast free agency was going to come. Reportedly, again, this is reportedly didn't realize how fast free agency was going to come, and they didn't realize that basically they couldn't just sit and then just you know clean up everyone yeah i think it's just such a bad look with uh to have horrible it's a one in 23 team too like it's just everything is bad um you can tell the media is being played on both sides of this that there are people in the front office who are talking there are people on the coaching staff who are talking that's not including the fact that they're just ripping the court on quarterbacks like it's absolutely nothing you know what's crazy though like we came out of a situation where Marvin Lewis looked like the good guy, <laughs> like yeah. like the Browns were like so bad that people are like, dude, you 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 were more incompetent than Marvin Lewis on something. Like, how bad is that? And the fact that they were going to give up a second and a third for McCarron after the 49ers only gave up a second for Jimmy Garoppolo, man, I don't I don't know what's going on there. It doesn't and sound I, like the front office and the head coaching staff and the coaching staff are on the same page like at all. Um, I think it came out that uh, what's his name, Mike Brown. I think that's a is it Mike Brown? I want to say it's Mike Brown, the owner, the owner slash basically GM of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, yeah, uh, they he dropped he dropped the price to a second and a third. So I don't know what the fuck it was before that, but uh, I don't know. We're gonna get in a weird spot where I, stuff like that is happening. Um, you know, there was a report this week that Sam Darnold, USC, who I don't think we're necessarily fans of, but he's at least being talked about as a potential number one pick right now. So he's relevant. Um, he's basically thinking, you know, if Cleveland has one of the first two picks of the draft, I don't want to come out. I would not blame him. Like if someone came out and pulled an Eli Manning, uh, John Elway, would you blame them at all? Like this Cleveland team looks like complete chaos right now. It doesn't look like there's any structure at all. No, I wouldn't blame it at all. And I, I, I would hope that the like the uh i mean obviously not because football fans are completely insane and irrational but i would hope that no one would blame a kid for not wanting to go to an organization like that there there was a browns fan who was in my twitter and said i hope he breaks his fucking leg so i don't i don't think that browns fans are necessarily going to warm up to the the idea of just taking the L when their front office has basically been mining for bitcoins for two years yeah and the, the thing with the with the like if if sam Darnold doesn't want to go to the browns that's so I mean, it's completely understandable. They're a mess. Uh, and I think you've gotten to a place with the Browns where the front office is okay with losing because, like, they're in it for the super-duper-duper duper long haul. But, man, like, you can only go on as a player and a coach just losing week after week after week after week for so long before you start to get a little bit desperate. And I think that this attempted trade for Hugh Jackson was – or for uh, AJ McCarron was Hugh Jackson saying, like, dude, like, I got to get somebody in here 
who can compete a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that Hugh Jackson's been perfect or even good because he's been kind of a dick off the field and on the field too. So, but I, I think they're just at a crossroads where that coaching staff wants to try and really get some wins, and the front office is okay with still tanking. And that conflict division is is really starting to screw the Browns up. I think. Um, do you know who could save that team? I, I can tell you someone who could say like the morale problems. He's very efficient. He'll get along with the uh, with the front office types. Um, he's a little short even. He, uh, he he might be looked at as an inefficiency by the front office. His name is Baker Mayfield, and he already owns land in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio. So that would be interesting to bring him back <laughs> to his home state. I was going to say Steve, Steve Sarkeesian. Like if the Browns want to do a little Sark for Hugh Jackson trade head up, um, <laughs> oh, I am no. uh, I'm here for that. No, it's, it's all McIlwain. But uh, Baker Mayfield is going to – Baker Mayfield, I think, right now, as of this very second, is the second most efficient quarterback in college football history, only behind Sam Bradford. And Sam Bradford basically only did it for two years. Baker Mayfield has been starting for four. So, Yeah, um, Baker Mayfield, he, he's, I think he's legit. I think he is too. Uh, I was telling you before this that uh, I'm, I've seen every single pass of 10 yards or more cut and charted for both Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. I'm going to do more quarterbacks down the line. That's just the only guys I've had time for right now. And Baker Mayfield is just way better than Josh Rosen. There's no way. There's really no other way to put it other than that. Um, whatever the dude, number nine for Oklahoma is going to be a player like in two years. He's like a freshman and he's really, really fucking fast and he's really good at receiver other than catch, catching a ball. But yeah. he'll be good. I think he's in CD something. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question from Falcons four and three at LAX Nedrick. Uh, in honor of Bill, sure. yeah, <laughs> I don't know, how, I don't know how to say his ad name, but in honor of the Bill Simmons trade machine and the Andrew Luck fiasco, what would it take for a team to trade for Andrew Luck? I don't, mm, even, I don't from, even know. From what side? I mean, I, I certainly think that there's teams that would trade for Andrew Luck, but like yeah, Indianapolis. So, so he, what would, so, so what he's would asking, Indianapolis trade? Yeah, like what would you have to give up to get Andrew Luck? Because I mean, is it his I, I think contract be, is trash, right? Yeah, it's awful. If you're trying to trade it. I think so that's the, the thing about the, the Buffalo Marcel 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 Darius thing is Buffalo has to pay him for like two years, and Jacksonville has to pay him. Like, there's a lot of money being exchanged around to get. Basically, just Marcel Darius out of that locker room in Buffalo right now. Um, so a dead cap next year. Hmm? Indianapolis could save money if they traded Andrew Luck next year. It would only be like $2 million. They'd have to take a huge cap hit, but they would save a lot of money down the line. How much would it have to take? I mean, it would have to be something where you would flip picks and end up with like the first overall pick or something like that. It would. It would. It, there's just no other way to imagine anything else. So like, let's say Cleveland, right? Cleveland was probably going to end up with the first overall pick. What would you trade from there? It would be like the first, if you liked a quarterback, it would be your first overall pick, Miles Garrett, and then See, now, an offensive lineman. Like, But even that then, that feels a little light. But are you going to do that for damaged goods at the same time? Like, what if Andrew Would Luck Cleveland would... do that for Andrew Luck? Cleveland would do that for Andrew Luck. I promise you. No, but I'm yeah, saying that... – but, but then if, if you come back and Andrew Luck – doesn't get healthy like this is a legit career under for him you just trade away the first pick and miles garrett for that's why you're you're one in 23 (laughs) here's a spoiler alert you got one year to figure it out at most if you don't get fired this offseason so do what Uh, you need to do i think it would it would take yeah it would probably it would take a couple of first round picks but then i think 
the teams that are trading for him will get to a point where you're saying, all right, we want to take this risk, but at what at what cost? Like, we can only give up so much for a player who we don't well, know. Okay, what what do you think? What do you think guys like that are gonna get? Because I mean, AJ McCarron almost went for a second and a third. Um, guys like uh, what was it? Dante Culpepper got traded for a second round pick and played one year for the Dolphins. I want to say. Like, these things kind of happen all the time. You know what I mean? Like, guys swing and miss on quarterbacks that they trade for as much as guys that are, you know, in the draft. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. I mean, damn, Sam, Sam Bradford. Was Sam Bradford more banged up than Andrew Luck at this point? I would say so. Oh, yeah. I don't think he had the peaks that Andrew Luck had either, and he went for a first-round pick. So I would assume Andrew Luck would be able to do something. I think the interesting conversation that we can have is um, – Next year, is Jacoby Brissett, the guy who gets moved, you know, during the season? Because he's got two years left. Um, it, you know, if Andrew Luck is healthy. I mean, people are speculating now that he might not ever play another football game. But um, Jacoby Brissett or Jimmy Garoppolo right now? Because I think Jacoby Brissett's throwing more passes than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I would take Brissett. I mean, br- I would too. Yeah, just because just we know what we're getting into there. Because uh, I think Jacoby Brissett has played beyond the talent around him before and i don't think that we've seen that from jimmy garoppolo jimmy garoppolo has played two talent before which is totally fine i mean i i think when someone plays two talent and you don't see anything below that or above that you really don't understand what type of player he is and he's only throwing like 90 balls or something like that so i honestly like jimmy garoppolo to me is still big massive question mark um i have a better feel of who jacoby Brissett is right now and i think he's probably one of the 32 best passers in football i hope he starts for someone next year if it's not the colts yeah, I, I, see, the thing with Brissett is, I, obviously, he hasn't been perfect. And I think if you look at some of, uh, like, the uh, adjusting net yards per attempt, he's probably not doing too great there. But when you just watch him, he looks like a guy that you could possibly, you know, like, if you had to start him and maybe try to build an offense around him, I don't I don't think that would be the worst decision ever. Like, if you said, we're going to start Jacoby Brissett and build up the rest of our team, then that would be fine. He he would clear he would easily be the best quarterback in Cleveland right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Like no no question about that. Um, let's move on to the next. Trying question. to look at this. All right, do that. All right. Uh, let's see. From uh, Jalen Muhammad, Loki Confucius, uh, is the draft deep in any position from what you've seen besides running back? I mean, I I, I know nothing about this draft class besides Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Um, I would say it's probably a good ad rusher draft in terms of depth, just because there's a lot of guys. I mean, there's the two guys at Clemson. Um, Ohio State probably has three guys who could come out this year and get drafted in the top 100. Uh, opening up Karanquo for Oklahoma is a solid guy. Obviously, there's guys like Harold Landry, um, Bradley Chubb, uh, what's his name, Arden Key at LSU, if he could get his stuff figured out and he comes out and he has a good uh, he has a good offseason. I think he could be a first-round pick, but he just hasn't been that guy right now on the field. But I think the kid from USC, Port Augustine, ended up dropping a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there, there's probably eight guys that are edge rushers who I would consider potential first-round picks. And that's a lot better than anything else, honestly, because I've seen, I've seen enough of these top guys where I'm very confident in, like, Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State, um, I'm very confident in Fitzpatrick, defensive back from Alabama, 
And then I'm very confident in uh, Mo Hurst, the defensive tackle from Michigan, who's basically he's not he's not Aaron Donald, but he's probably the closest thing to Aaron Donald that we've seen since Aaron Donald. And that makes me very excited. I know the NFL is going to fuck it up. Um, but those are the three guys who I'm like sure they're going to be like at least starters next year. You know what I mean? Like a lot of rookies don't even start. I think those three guys are the guys that I'm absolutely certain are going to start. And then everything else, I mean, this kind of looks like a weak draft, to be totally honest. This probably looks like the worst draft that I've seen personally since 2013. Yeah, it, it doesn't look great. I, and I'm, I'm with you on Hearst. Uh, I, I, just from what I've seen live, like, like I haven't gone out to break him down or anything. but He's real. Yeah, he, he's real. And it kind of feels like the the great Jarrett situation a little bit. Now, I think Hearst, mm-hmm. he, he's probably a little bit more in the spotlight than Jarrett was at Clemson. But, you know, if you go back and watch the Clemson tape, great Jarrett, like it was insane that he fell to the fifth round. And I, and I, think, I, think, I think we've talked about this before, but great Jarrett's house burned down like the second day of the draft. I wonder how much of that impacted the draft decision on him just league-wide like just like oh action and we're scared you know like we've seen this stuff with like uh i mean it was obviously very serious with lyle collins where he was basically uh a murder suspect right um no but but with with lyle collins he wasn't actually even a suspect they just questioned him and the nfl got scared oh okay well yeah the nfl the nfl gets scared but that's basically my point Thank you, thank you from uh, for uh, taking the training wheels off of me. The NFL gets scared a lot. Grady Jarrett's house burned down, and I wonder how far he fell down the draft just because of that. Because he was obviously someone who was talented enough to go, if nothing else, in the top fifty of his draft class. Yeah. Um, but Mo, Mo Hurst, I mean, Mo Hurst is a guy who I mean, obvi- I'm not going to say that I've seen every single snap of his like I have for. Baker Mayfield to Josh Rosen, but I've seen enough from him that I can see, you know, bang, bang. That guy is obviously talented and should be a first-round pick. Um, I believe he's, like, the highest-graded player in PFF right now, at least on the defensive side of the ball. I know he's all over their, like, uh, all-American watch list and things like that. I know they're not mocking him that high, but in terms of their grades, he's, like, the highest-graded player in college football right now, and that doesn't surprise me. He's he's the standout player on the standout defensive line. Yep. Uh so let's hit one last question. This is from uh, Ryan Jackson at this Ryan Jackson. Can you explain the fit with Jimmy Garoppolo in the San Francisco offense? Um, let's go, Mister Shanahan. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard because you know, there's, he's only had 94 pass attempts. But I think if you go back and watch, uh, what was the games he played uh, before he got hurt last year? It, it was the Dolphins game and the Cardinals game. There's there's some stuff that translate, you know, I, I think he moves well out of the pocket and he, he throws pretty well in the run, which is pretty huge for Shanahan's offense. Uh, I think he's accurate in you know the middle, to, like the short to middle portion of the field. He does tend to get happy feet under pressure, which I think is one area that Brissett definitely has an advantage over him. You know, like Brissett, one of the, like, one of the things coming out of the draft with Brissett was, uh, you know, some, some, you don't want your quarterbacks to get, too scared for his pressure, but you don't also want them to be like sitting ducks back there. And I think Brissett has that quality. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I'll take the sitting ducks. I mean, well, G- no, no. Gino and Sean Kaiser are all my fucking. No, all my. I, I mean, like where you're just oblivious to pressure. Like it, it just, yeah. it like it doesn't. Not Unconscious. that. It, yeah, not that it doesn't scare you. Like you're not afraid of getting hit, but sometimes like the clock in your head can be a little bit too slow. And I, I think that that's something Brissett. Oh my God, Blah Powell just got like a. 60 yard rush but uh my man my fantasy man my fantasy teams are doing very well my jets my favorite jets always been a lifelong fan never a doubt but uh yeah one of the things that kyle shanahan does really well uh 
with his offense is he he's really good at creating pockets for the quarterback with play action and ball fakes and stuff. So, yeah, I, I think you can mitigate some of the stuff where Jimmy Garoppolo feels uh, maybe or maybe where he gets happy feet under pressure with the way Shannon can scheme up those pockets with play action and using the fullbacks and tight ends and wingbacks. But I, I don't know how much Garoppolo is going to play this year because you know if they're serious about not getting him hurt. Uh, have you seen the 49ers offensive line? It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's not Trent, great. Trent Brown and Scrubs right now. Um, Trent Brown, I would... who, is, who is actually really, really damn good. And I, I just remember yeah. that people hated him in pre-draft, so props to him. Um, he was a big – he's kind of like the Oklahoma left tackle right now where he's just a, a giant human being who was kind of slow. And then he kind of uh, – there was a guy – who was it? Um, Kalechi Osamele was kind of like that too. Yeah. Where he wasn't like a necessarily like a great tester, and then they moved him away from left tackle, and you're like, oh wait, this guy is a world class guard because he's strong as hell and giant. He's a giant human. That's kind of that's kind of what I think when I think of Trent Brown right now. I, I don't pay attention to offensive linemen as much as defensive linemen, but he's a guy who I certainly pay attention to when like he went against like Demarcus Lawrence and stuff like that. Yeah, I just wasn't expecting like a player of that size with I guess the strengths and weaknesses that he has being a, a really good fit for a Shanahan system. But hey, I mean he he's legit good. You know who uh now that you got me thinking about Kalechi Assembly, you know who uh has a really close spot draftable comp to uh Assembly? So it's a giant guy who isn't very athletic. Uh athletic, athletic pretty athletic for his size. I don't think so. Um Zach Banner or it's Eric Taylor, Armstead? Taylor Moten. Free Taylor Moten. <laughs> free, ta- free Taylor Moten. Um, free left tackle Taylor Moten. God damn, dude. They got to get out of that Cleo dude, they, okay, issue. They, I, was te- I was texting Josh Norris about it to figure out how they can get out of it because there were like multiple pieces written about the details of it. They're kind of conflicting. Basically, he told me next year if they, they turn down the option, then they can eat a bulk amount of the guaranteed money next year so he's only it's really only a two-year deal if they decide to decide it to be a two-year deal but good luck i mean you're gonna turn down an option of someone whose brother is playing center for you and who you can't like here's the thing that's not being talked about carolina they can only run behind khalil like when khalil is not in the game at center um they can't get it done so i i don't know like why why would you even expose yourself to like this brother nonsense i don't know and i think I'm still on the train that Taylor Moten might be their best offensive lineman. Or, I mean, I think Adrian Oral's been pretty good. Tri Turner's been banged up, but Moten's absolutely better than Khalil or Daryl Williams. So I don't, I don't know what's He's, going on there. The Panthers. We we, la- we laughed when we talked about Daryl Williams starting at right tackle, like in the preseason. He stinks, uh, and it it's just so funny to see Carolina. They've gotten almost no production from their 2017 draft class. I mean. They drafted Cole Beasley in the first round. Right. So they drafted Cole Beasley with their first pick. They drafted like 50% Ted Ginn with their second pick. They drafted a pretty good offensive lineman who they won't play with their third pick in the, at the end of the second round. And then Deshaun Hall, I, I don't even know if he's getting on the field right now. No, I mean, Julius Peppers is there. I think it was kind of an emergency situation if Julius Peppers didn't turn out. But yeah, Deshaun Hall was the second best pass rusher. On his own team, and he had one good week, one good day at the Senior Bowl where he was spinning, and then people figured out that he just spins, and then they put the pads on, and he didn't do anything for the rest of the week combined. So, yeah, Deshaun Hall was a guy who some people who, who liked spider webs and stuff liked a lot, but he wasn't actually like athletic. 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's going to cover it. That should wrap up episode what, 57, Setting the Edge. Do you want to run through these picks? It's, it's been a while since we talked about them. Yes, sir. Uh, Atlanta, Carolina, it's a one-point line. We are fans of the Atlanta Falcons as one-point favorites. Our Atlanta Falcons, uh, New Orleans Saints, our New Orleans Saints by seven points. Our Philadelphia Eagles by seven points. Our Jacksonville Jaguars by four and a half points. Our Seattle Seahawks by seven points. I don't think we talked about San Francisco. San Francisco's a two-point dog against Arizona. Um, I just don't buy into Arizona at all. That, that's not a good team. They shouldn't be a favorite on the road against anyone. Our San Francisco 49ers. Our Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm putting it in a tease. Uh, you have one point. I have seven points. Our Detroit Lions over the Green Bay Packers because Brett Hulney is horrible right now. And then uh, the, the the conflicting picks. Um, you're taking Tennessee by three and a half against Baltimore. I'm staying away from the game. I'm picking Indianapolis as a seven-point underdog. You're staying away from that, that game. Uh, Los Angeles against the Los Angeles Rams at the New York Giants. The Giants are three and a half point road dogs or home dogs. Uh, I take it the Giants are taking the Rams here. I don't know if you want to talk about it at all. These these I mean, the Giants are irrelevant. No, I don't want to talk about the Giants at all. Okay, perfect. And then uh, the Oakland Raiders at the Miami Dolphins. The Raiders three point uh, road favorites. You're taking Oakland. I am taking Miami plus nine in a tease with Kansas City. So those are the picks. I'll take. I'll screen cap this and put it in my. Uh, I'll pin it to my Twitter so you guys can see who you guys need to fade this week. All right. Yeah. So that's conclude episode fifty seven. Set the edge. Uh, we're gonna try to get a guest in for the next week. Uh, I, I think I can get a good one lined up, but if not, we'll, we'll find. I mean, we'll find somebody. We got plenty of people to talk to. So, uh, five star reviews. Five star reviews on iTunes. Make sure you check out the website because we're gonna start posting more, some more stuff on there. All right, adios.